once again, mm. another episode of the Bibliotheques podcast, another bittersweet episode. That's right. As we come to the end of our, what is this? Our fifth book that we've done. Fifth book. But the second in a, you know, thematically, right? Sure. Um, the ending of this book is, it left me thinking a little bit. We are ending Charles Portis's The Dog of the South. Mm-hmm. And it stirred me, dude. Yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was just something where I like, I shut the book, I put it down and I had to just like sit quietly for a little bit. Same. That's exactly what I did. Where it wasn't something where, I mean, if you're listening to this and haven't read the book yet, but have listened to our previous podcast about it, that could mean a million different things to you. Of course. But to me, in that moment, it was just kind of like, what? <laughs> like, I actually had the opposite sense. Okay. It made, it, it made a ton of sense to me. Well, it made sense. Yeah, yeah. But in a way... I wasn't expecting it, though. It's almost like when we were talking through Lord of the Rings, how that book came to a close. And you're like, everything makes sense here. But... Not entirely in the way that like fairy tales lead you to believe they will. This ends and thematically it makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Rhetorically, it adds up to everything we've learned, but it still leaves you with like, I don't want to say hollow feeling because it was a very fulfilling book, Mm -hmm. but the physical feeling in your stomach when the last line is read that when you read that last line, you just go, oh, for me, it's just like my left and right brain almost like battling against each other in that mm-hmm. moment, which I think is perfect. Let's let's dig into it then, because I like that idea. All right. All right. So we're starting today. We're doing the last four chapters, as Cody said, of Charles Portis's The Dog of the South. Cody, where do we leave off last week? So Ray, after figuring out that his car was in Leet's lot the whole time, because that's where Guy Dupree decided to sell it for some quick change. Mm hmm. He realizes that he actually wants Norma back. He doesn't actually care about the car. And that was more of a self-defense mechanism. He doesn't say that explicitly. That's what we divulged on the last episode. Right. It ends with him taking uh, the Buick spoon, Webster Spooner and Victor, Christine's son, with him to uh, go find Dupree and like basically try to bum rush him. Mm-hmm. The car gets fucked. It is. They go to try and throw rocks at the um, house uh, where Guy Dupree is living at. Morning comes, no answer. He's actually not even there at all. Right. That's where we're picking up. So we start off and naturally Ray and the boys having failed on their mission. The boys did a great job, by the way. They crushed it. They did exactly what you think vagabond children would do, which is they threw rocks at windows and it took a nap and they are none the wiser to the rest of the world. And they provided they provided Ray the extra body count. (laughs) He felt he needed to besiege the boy detectives yeah. in his mind that he could convince Guy Dupree what they were. Exactly. So have having just failed in their mission or his mission, Ray and the boys start walking back. Um, they're sore from sleeping on the ground. They're covered in mosquito bites and they go back to their broken down Buick, which is now sunk to the like bumpers essentially in mud. So not getting that back. Buick's fucked. Buick's gone for good. Once again, they, uh, Make a quick pit stop at that same Mayan ruin that we've passed plenty of times. You got it at this point. The guys are too cool. The ruins are pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're always down to share food and you got to. Yeah. And here, I mean, we get some more just like little details that aren't super important. Ray exchanged some money with the guys. He gets back some of his security, like his treasury bonds from them, which he had given to them previously as collateral, I think. I think Do you may- remember this. I think maybe uh, he did it when he stopped with Popo. Right. And okay. He was yeah. Like, yeah. Just drop that stuff off here. And here's the money that he was going to pay. You. Sure, sure, sure. So he gives him some money that he had taken from Ruth's box back at the hotel when it's his money. She just never used it to what get like a letter to his dad. Yeah. So gives them money, gets his bonds back. And they also give him a monkey skull. Victor, meanwhile, is holding this mossy rock the whole time. Anyway, long story short, they hitch a, end up hitching a ride back with this hippie guy in his truck um, and go and have some Cokes in town at one of the stores. Webster ends up going back to the hotel. Ray and Victor, meanwhile, return back to the Tabernacle Church. 
where Father Jackie's Jeep is back and Christine's van is there. Uh, but when they go into the house, there's like no one there. There's paper all over the floor. It doesn't look like anybody's cleaned up anything like dinner still out from the night before. It just looks vacant. Once again, we're walking into an empty house. Um, but they go out through the movie screen, like behind the movie screen. There's like this secret backyard area where Melba, Father Jackie, the good doctor and Christine are all sitting around eating watermelon. And they quickly explain to Ray that Mima, Mrs. Symes, had a stroke the night before. And everybody in this conversation, including me, is just kind of like, she's dead. Yeah. Right? So they're going over it and... Rio is looking like he's ready to just skip town. At this oh, point. Rio is itching to get the hell out of here. He's like all dressed and packed to leave. And we, we have this conversation, this this kind of long conversation where we're talking about, you know, swapping stories about Mima, but also talking about kind of like what Mima left in the will to everybody. And we find out that Mima didn't leave Rio anything hilarious she left him she left him one like lockbox with her it's like 70 verse poem about a hurricane in it and nothing else like that's what rio gets from this woman and you can tell that he's got something up his sleeve though yeah because he's just itching to leave so he's like so so mima left like what was unbeknownst to the reader a considerable sum of money and the island that the good doctor has just been like feverishly scheming over his right. plans about. She left this to an unknown until now, like grandniece. Yeah. That he she wants her to continue her music education. So that's where all this is going to. And he and he's just like, I need to get the fuck out of here and get back to louisiana yeah and, and the you have to uh, assume father, he's gonna try to go like claim this yeah, island yeah oh you yeah. have to because father jackie's like in the very nasally voice that uh our narrator gives to father jackie he mm-hmm. goes well you know dr signs i can <laughs> put a notice of death to the good people of louisiana he's like oh no no no, no. i don't do that don't do that i'll handle that he's like you can do it here whatever but you know leave louisiana to me and father jackie's like eh, whatever whatever you want man okay and i'm so glad you brought up father jackie also because there's this moment where like christine and father jackie are acting like real chummy with each other and he's like putting his hand or like she's putting her hand on his knee which is like open like underneath his like robes his and monk shit. robes yeah and ray's just looking at this and it's just like oh my fucking god i slept all night in the mud with mosquitoes and these two are just yeah well, and now that you transition back to Christine, Christine does not give a fuck that her kid was just out all night with a stranger and is like comes back less, covered. Yeah. He's dirty as shit. He's he's got like mosquito bites, but he does have his mossy rock that you mentioned. And, yeah. it, and Christine just goes, oh, yeah, really mossy. And then like throws it over her shoulder. He's like, Whoa. we just got pickle jarred again. Where? Yes. <laughs> it's like Ray feels the need to mention as the narrator that. Victor picks up this rock and then as soon as it's like brought up again, it's just discarded from the story. Yeah, we'll have to use that going forward when we bring up something that we think is going to be important and ends up not being important. We'll call it getting pickle jarred. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but moving on, the doctor obviously is just like we've been saying, he's itching to go. So he picks up all his things, says his farewells, leaves, says he's going to go say his farewells to his mother. Um, who's still at the hospital. Uh, Melba tells Father Jackie, Christine, and Ray that she actually had a vision of Rio getting hit by a truck. And she's like, don't mention it to him if you ever see him. Moving on. um, Father Jackie then invites Christine and Ray to his place. He calls Ray Brad, by the way, which is just this recurring theme throughout this book of people who like, either don't remember Ray's name or call him something else, either unintentionally or intentionally. Yeah. Like nobody calls him Ray ever. Um, so invites him over, uh, just to like hang out with some of his like friends from the Peace Corps and they both decline. And Ray, I just love this. Ray adds in as a little aside. He's like, 
I don't want to go over there because I figure some of them are going to have guitars. <laughs> Dude, Ray that. hates hippies. Yes. But that's the end of chapter 13. So that leaves us at kind of an interesting juncture in the story where it's like, we think Mima might be dead. Rio, as far as we know, is just gone. And so we're just left with like kind of a smaller cast of characters now. Yeah. Um, another funny aside, uh, Father Jackie brings up how... Uh, he loves the author dicks that the good side doctor yeah, is like raving yeah. about. And he's just like, Oh, these fucking people. Yeah. And Ray's like convinced that father Jackie's talking about someone else. <laughs> he's like, I don't think you know who dicks is. If you're he's like, yeah, this I don't, into him. It's like, I don't like this Jackie guy necessarily. Cause he definitely swooped in on Christine <laughs> yeah. when I was trying to Mac. Yeah. However, he seems like a pretty smart guy. There's no way he actually subscribes to anything. This scam artist is saying. Exactly. All right, where are we going from there? Basically, chapter 14 starts with uh, Ray um, leaves the tabernacle because there's going to be a big storm coming. He wants to get back to his hotel room. Mm -hmm. So he goes back to the Fair Play Hotel uh, and the place is just swamped. A huge tropical storm comes in. And uh, we should mention that's one of like Mima's like only fears was like huge hurricanes or tropical storms. Right. And like so he gets up to his room. He's soaking wet. And he opens the door and there's just some dude on the bed, like (laughs) writing something. And he's like startled. He like stands up and he goes like, who are you? And Ray's like, who are you, bro? Like my room, my room. And he's like, (laughs) this is the room that the lady gave me. And he's just like, Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) God damn you. Also a really funny detail there. As he goes into the room, this guy is like writing in a notebook and like (laughs) stuffs it, like quickly shuts it and stuffs it under a pillow or something. And Ray immediately just assumes that this guy was like writing a song and that he caught him red handed in the act and is like so ashamed of this. And Ray's just like, I got that bastard writing songs. How dare he? It's like chill, bro. Like the fuck. But yeah, imagine being Ray in a tropical storm going to one of the only places in this foreign land, you know, you can return to for some semblance of rest one of the five basic needs being shelter That's right like maybe not food or water but you can definitely not get wet here and ruth has evicted you while you're gone and he's like yeah he's like, he's literally been evicted because he goes like where are my bags and he's like i don't know this room <laughs> yeah. is empty dude and he's like oh fuck <laughs> yes but then they kind of like turn out to like each other because like so what are you doing in belize why are you in my room kind of that thing he's like oh well i was i was actually going around different parts of central america looking for like these rare minerals that are used in like jade and immaculate. Yeah. Like, like magnifying glasses and yeah. different type of specialized science tools. And also like Quetzalcoatl feathers, which are like this like rare uh, Aztec Mayan bird from Central America. And he's just like, do you have, like, do you have any proof of this? He goes, no. And I wouldn't show you. Anything. He's like, okay, well, fine. Fuck it. <laughs> like you seem like a smart enough guy. Yeah. You're from Texas. You're also, here. if if you want to pique Ray's interest, a really good way of doing it is just like some kind of obscure earth science. Yeah. <laughs> like if you know something about something not many people know about, Ray will listen to you. Yeah. If it's, it, it could be anything as long as it's like unique. Yeah. That's why he gave the good doctor so much like attention for so long. He's like, this guy's crazy, but he also seems to know what he's talking about, about medicine. Then eventually he's like, the good doctor is an insane person. But, <laughs> yeah. but this guy is like, oh, I'm actually like a geologist, kind of like archaeology dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get back to like Texas and Louisiana where I'm from. And he's just like, oh, OK, well, you don't seem like that bad. You stole my room, but this is clearly not your fault. Yeah. yeah. Like Ray's always a reasonable enough guy where he's just like, OK, well, do you want to go? have a drink and the guy's like sure yeah so they basically were like well let's go to the um uh bar like across the town plaza in in part also because the storm has ripped a hole in their ceiling yeah (laughs) like well we can't stay here so let's go to the nice hotel so they're on their way there and they get so the storm is so bad that on their way there the belizean police have like are like setting up sandbags and they just being random civilians just mm-hmm. get roped into like bagging sand yeah and mounting up storm barricades mm-hmm. and i'm just like you people knew there was going to be a storm don't you have like sandbags on deck my guy like of this clearly have is like no <laughs> but they get roped into it and uh 
he basically like it, this them bagging up sand is such an interesting part of this because it lasts the whole chapter. Yeah, they are essentially to use the colorful term that the author uses Shanghai into different like jobs around here. Right. <laughs> like like eventually like the guy who we learns name is like Sands. He doesn't exactly know his name because span, he never asked or, span, yeah, span or something like that. He says, but he gets into like ladder duty. He's on a ladder gang and mm-hmm. they get like kind of roped in. It looks like there's like maybe like some soldiers, like some Belize national guard are there helping mm-hmm. the police, but he gets roped over again into like, now you're going to, now you're at a better part because there's less like wind and rain because you're behind this big sandbar. Instead of like packing down the bags are going to be like stuffing them. Mm-hmm. And who does he run into on a chain gang, a prison <laughs> work gang? Yes. But Jack Willicky, Guy Dupree's lawyer from seven chapters ago. Right. Yeah. Everybody remember Jack? Colorful guy. If you don't, I get it. He was, <laughs> last time we saw him, he was on the Mexican highway because he busted out the uh, transition on his yellow Chrysler in the middle of the road. Right. So, I mean, it was kind of inevitable that we run into Jack eventually, I think. Yeah. Um, He's too important of a character as this big criminal Guy Dupree's lawyer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, like you said, run into Jack again. Great to see him. He's like, hey, man, I'm in jail. Come get me at the jail later. And then it gets roped off into the other chain gang. I love how he's running shit, too. The whole time that they're like doing all of these chores, essentially, Jack has just taken command of this unit of dudes, the shoveling sand. And he's just like, everybody, like, put your backs into it, like all this shit. And he's like gets into the truck to try to like get it out of the sand when it gets stuck and everything. He's just like in his element out there. And then he's rewarded for this by asking for a ride home from the captain who's basically like, fuck off prisoner and like, drives <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, oh fuck. He's like, you have my shoes. Like, I don't care. Walk. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Basically, Jack goes back to jail to try and see if he can post bond. He can't. He's also going to try and find the battery to his car that the cops are just like, yeah, we know you might escape. So we're taking the battery out of your car and hiding it. Well, this is the oh, my gosh, such a funny, like little tidbit. Is he booby trapped his like gas tank? Yeah. So nobody could siphon gas out of his car and didn't do anything to the hood. So they go back and look at this car when they get back to the police station after shoveling sand all day. They check out his car and he's like, see, no one got in just like I planned it. And then they like pop the hood and everything's gone. Yeah, they got him. Yeah, because they were definitely going to go, OK, we're going to siphon this guy's gas so he can't drive away. But then when some poor dude slid his hand on the uh, gas can cap, they were like, OK, well, this guy's not getting his battery back. Right, right. So basically it ends with him. He's like, all right, I got to go find out what happened to my car. And Ray's like, uh, yeah, so I just got absolutely bamboozled into shoveling sand for God knows how long Mm -hmm. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm so tired. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean the last sleep he got was outside. Yeah. Yeah. Ray's not in good shape right now. He's not, but that's exactly where the chapter ends. Right. So, but we also need to mention that he mentions in the middle of the chapter that he sees his buddy Span get pulled off to the um, ladder gang. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's the last time I saw him alive, which is super ominous. Yeah. And we find out that. So when Ray got separated from Span, so Span's on the ladder gang. Now he goes another way. Span goes to where it's like objectively like less dangerous. Mm-hmm. Span died because a bag of sand that was like lofted up high fell off and hit him in the head and killed him. Okay, so this is where this is interesting because we might be working on different editions of the book. Really? Yeah. This is this is interesting because I had a a slightly different death for Span. Oh, how was it? So <laughs> similar in that a bag was that was tied to a rope fell and like kind of took him with it, but as he fell off the ladder, he was impaled on a rusty pole on the ground. Yeah, I don't think I, that was that was in my edition. <laughs> oh my god. I like yours better. Yeah, that's way more graphic. This one Poor was just like more, this one was more ominous. But oh, yeah, either way, the guy is dead. <laughs> yeah, never to be seen again. Yeah, hundred percent gone. Um, the w- one thing that I will add, um, we did one funny thing about Jack. 
So he explains while he's talking to Ray on their walk back into town from where they were sent to do this shoveling. He kind of catches up with Jack and Jack explains the rest of his trip down from where from where he and Ray got separated. And he explains like, yeah, I, I picked up your trace easy enough. Got my got myself down to Belize did essentially the same thing you did where I went to the like the office and was like, hey, where's the Dupree farm? And if you remember, Ray got two different Dupree farms. He went to the correct one. Well, Jack went to the incorrect one. Yeah. And when he goes down there, he's like, hey, I'm looking for this guy. And this unassuming dude who's also named Dupree, evidently, He's like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And Jack's like, fuck that. I'm searching your property. I'm an officer of the law. And this guy's like, fine, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my monkey follow you around the property and basically make fun of you everywhere you go. And Jack gets so pissed off at this that he threatens to shoot the guy's monkey. And that's why he gets put in prison because the guy like, calls into town before Jack gets there and says that he like threatened him with a gun, which Jack didn't even have to begin with. I took that as something different based on the context. Okay. I, I took it as a, a black ranch hand who he kept calling a monkey. And, okay. that, and Ray got confused at that too, until he noticed that him saying that his monkey following him around and then all the other Belizeans around them were like turning to look at him. Okay. So, I would need to read it again. Maybe it was just me choosing to not think of it as being super racist. The reason I did was because Ray was confused as to why the guy would have a trained pet monkey. Mm. And I and and we don't we don't learn that it's like actually monkey. We learn that Jack was like, yeah, he had his monkey follow me wrong. So I assumed yeah. it was a racial slur for a black ranch hand. Now that you're saying that. You're probably right. And I like it a lot less. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty much to me just like the fact that this guy was like, yeah, I'm going to have my dude watch you. And the dude was black and Jack Wilkie's like a fucking scumbag Arkansas lawyer and is like, Ugh, I hate that. OK, well, Jack Wilkie, much less likable dude anyway. That I wanted to add just to give context partially into no, why he was right. in you, jail to begin with. Yes. So and it also actually makes more sense why he's in jail because if he threatens to kill a ranch hand then yes go to jail do right. not do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars you're racist <laughs> you know don't right yeah please stay in there forever but uh basically he's like i'm gonna go do that i'm gonna go fix it chapter ends with ray being like your boy needs a nap up in this mother right yeah so ray is walking through the town and naturally the whole town that's still alive after this hurricane is just having a ball. Apparently, yeah, it's like a British Honduran tradition that after a heavy tropical storm, you just get drunk as shit in the street. <laughs> yeah. So every, everyone's out on the street, making it difficult for Ray to get back to the house. He gets stopped at one point from some dude who's just like, here, have a rip of my bottle. And he's like, OK, fine. So he does. He keeps walking through. He sees kids trying to taunt a snake with like a rubber inner tube. Yeah. It's like, Whoa, yeah, everything's just wild. He's walking through and he sees the VW van and Christine and Victor trying to get through. They're honking their horn. Nobody's really moving for him. So he goes up to the van, finds out that Melba is in serious need of medical attention. And she is just like in a trance in the back where she still got her eyes open She's not running a fever. And we as readers kind of are like, all right, is Melba just like psyched out right now, like in her own psychic thing? Yeah. But Christine wouldn't know that necessarily. So she's taking uh, Melba to the hospital. Ray helps them out by like helping clear the streets. So they get to the hospital. Um, and when they get there, Ray gets roped into more tasks they get Melba, you know, in a wheelchair or whatever, so she's fine. But afterwards, Ray is asked to help put all of the patients who have been moved into the hallway to avoid the windows during the tropical storm, get them back into their rooms. And in doing this, who does he run into? On a gurney, none, no less. Yeah. Norma, <laughs> what are you doing? Norma, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
She doesn't look good. No, bad. Norma looks real bad. Um, and I just want to read. I just want to read a quote because I think it is. It's so so funny the way that they like finally meet each other because <laughs> because it's like Ray in his like typical kind of romantic brain and just like being met with reality right away. So he goes. He sees her and she looks up at him and she says, Midge. And he goes, yes, it's me. I'm right here. Do you think it was a dream? And she goes, no. And he goes, she couldn't believe her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was rolling because I was like, oh my God. The she couldn't believe her eyes line is so good, dude. <laughs> like, Okay. She knows she's not dreaming, but like she was psyched to see me. <laughs> she's pretty pumped. She's pretty pumped. So the rest of this chapter is, is kind of sweet because Ray then moves Norma back into a room and sits with her and just kind of they talk back and forth about um, kind of the way Norma got down there. Yeah. And Ray is kind of trying to nurse her back to health. Yeah. So it's it's helpful to note, note Norma, we learned right away, was in the hospital because she had appendicitis. Yep. And so not great to have appendicitis in a foreign country in the seventies. That's not great. And it's also not great if your primary emergency contact is a uh, drugged out guy Dupree, right? Who is off the rails completely. That's not good. So she's not in a great space, like healthy. She's like, she can't eat. She only wants to eat food chips. Ray, like you said, like nurses her back to health, basically mm-hmm. finally gets her strong enough where she's like willing to talk about what happened. Right. And we're able to get a little bit of a timeline. So they, so it never really explains what like their courting process was. The um the Guy Dupree Norma courting process was. We really jumpstart as they cross Texarkana. They're already together. The plan's already in motion. Ray has been robbed. They get to Texas and meet up with some relatively influential characters who are big into the beatnik scene. Right? They're photographers and orators, specifically these guys Jay and Hildy. Am I, was that right? uh, Jay, yeah, Jay and Hilda. I believe, Hilda, yeah. Hilda, Hilda. Thank you. Um, but one's a photographer, one's an orator, and they're sympathetic to Guy Dupree's views that he should kill the president. They're radicals. And they're this, radicals. This was hilarious to me, too, because Guy got in touch with them from a mutual friend. And it's mentioned that they were like kind of skeptical to meet with Guy. But once they read what he had sent to the president about wanting to kill him, they were like, this guy's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, all right. So this is who we're dealing with. Yeah. So this is right away. Not great. Um, and as they meet him, Norma kind of realizes that Ray has been like, I can fund this like pseudo revolution. You guys are kind of fantasizing about because I own a bunch of shopping malls. Mm hmm. And I can sell them and use that money to front everything that we're doing. And they're like, that's great. Right. And Norma is like red flag after red flag. This makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And as they're going down, they're basically make the plan to be like, okay, Norma and I are going to head down to Mexico. You guys meet us here. And then not only that, I'm going to give you this fucking sick ass Torino as well. I just want to be in basically. Mm -hmm. That's all he wants is like be in on their like cool kids anarchist club. Right. So. It's almost like sad as we're going down because Norma just keeps talking about what a fucking dick Guy Dupree was the whole time. Yeah, Norma Norma drove the majority of the way from Dallas to Mexico where because part of the reason Guy was preparing a presentation that he was going to give to these radicals when they got down there. And Norma's saying like, okay, so what are you saying? Like, what's this presentation? Like, what are you going to say to them? And Guy's like, you're too dumb. You wouldn't understand. And Ray's like, okay, so why were you still with him at this point? Like what was going on in your head? Norma, what are you doing? What are you doing? Lots of normal. What are you doing from here till the foreseeable future? Absolutely. And so we kind of figure out or Ray kind of comes to this realization that it's like, Hey man, they're in love. And like, when you get to that point, there's not a lot you can do to can't really go back. Yeah, quench that. So anyway, yes, they're on their way down to Mexico. Um, when they meet, the radicals aren't big fans of guys. 
Uh, yeah. So they're able to snuff out real quick that he actually doesn't own a big shopping center and he actually doesn't want to give them his car. Mm-hmm. And also his whole presentation was like, OK, when we overthrow the government and uh, introduce anarchy to the American people, we should also include a ton of really uncool race stuff. Yeah. Into our methodology. And they're just like, no, they're literally like, you're a complete dipshit. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And they bail on him. Was I don't and I don't know if all of the reasons to not like guy. I don't know if racist was one of them that we had really figured out yet. I think it was because he was talking about how when he's at the farm, he's like, all I need to do to oh, be good at farming true. is hire a bunch that's of black true. people and you're yell right. at them. And you're like, OK, well, that's racist nonsense. But you're right. Anyway, so. But guys response to this. But not in like a political way. This is like the I'm racist because I'm crazy and dumb. And I think yeah. and I take stereotypes. and make This is like I'm racist and crazy because I want to kill the president and introduce like racial anarchy. And that's like a very like systemic, like thought about, yeah. very thought about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, his response, though, to these radicals being like, you're way too much for us. It was like, I'm going to go to this seminar that they're holding in town and I'm just going to heckle them the whole time. Yeah. So so they he gets turned down, but they're all in San Miguel because the anarchists are trying to, like, inspire a bunch of people who are going to be down there. It's like different, like weird anarchist academics who come down like, yeah, somehow I mean, like intelligent people that are like doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they're giving like speeches about like what's going to happen when we overthrow everything and like all this stuff. And as Ray's, I kind of think about it, he goes, okay, these people are probably just like stupid university people who are taking themselves too seriously. But while they're giving their presentation, (laughs) Guy Dupree was like in the front row, standing up, like heckling and like wet, like rattling a noise maker. Yeah. Until a a New Year's Eve, like noise. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the little rattling spinners. Yeah. And the guy and a couple of the goons of like guys who are like anarchists grab him take him in the woods and just kick his ass (laughs) which is like another theme where everywhere guy dupree goes he just is an asshole until someone kicks the shit out of him yeah yeah it's great it's it's fantastic really rewarding uh moment for the reader at that point um but they they go to belize after this and norman doesn't remember entirely the reasoning for going down there like that, that decision process isn't really totally made clear to the reader even. Um, but at that point, Guy starts somehow becoming even worse to Norma because at one point she says to him, like, what was that you said? Like, what was that? Just to clarify something that Guy had said. And from that point forward, everything that Norma says or everything that Guy says to Norma he constructs a little like megaphone and he speaks it directly into her ear. And he's like, this guy, Norma, what are you doing? What are you doing? This guy is such a dick. (laughs) This guy is like trying to introduce like genocide into the American population and also just yelling in your ear. Yeah. On the macro and micro level, this guy is the most brutal douche on the planet. Right. So we finally. okay. by the way, Norma is already experiencing some of like the side effects of appendicitis, like her insides hurt right now. But they finally get to Guy Dupree's farm in Belize. We know kind of what happens there. All of everybody that works at the farm is like, fuck this guy. Yeah, they mutiny, kick his ass, shoot all the cows and bail. (laughs) Right. And also like they cut the like the water line so like they don't have fresh water available to them, which becomes a problem when Norma fills up a bath with this limited water and guy freaks out at her for like taking a bath. Anyway, it's just ridiculous. Finally, Norma is like in so much pain that she needs to go to the hospital. So the last good thing that Guy Dupree does, maybe the only thing, is he drives her to the hospital. Ends up getting drunk probably afterward. That's when he breaks down uh, Ray's car and ends up selling it to Leet, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that story kind of ends the chapter with um, another patient, the other patient in the room waking up and Ray going and getting him coffee or something. 
but it's just kind of a lot of nice backstory to like what's been going on on the other end of this massive epic. This is the most tangible. What are you doing, Norma, that we've had to date? Right. Literally the only nuggets of stuff that Norma's done. And the whole time you can also just kind of tell that she's just like annoyed by yeah. Ray's presence. Even while she he's like, I'm here to take care of you. She's just like, fine. Yeah, it's not a it's not like a super warm uh, reintroduction of the two people like they're like Norma's visibly prickly. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's obvious that she's not overjoyed to see Ray there. Um, but yeah. Well, can you blame her? I don't know. Ray's such a stick in the mud. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the final chapter of this book. Yeah. Which. Very short, but six and a half pages long, a lot going on. Yeah. So. Ray ends up uh, taking Norma to a new motel um, after he got kicked out of fair play. <laughs> um, he goes to the wiring office himself, mails his dad, gets money the next day. Really infuriating. <laughs> Thanks, Ruth. Um, but the, the the rest of this, we return then to the church, the tabernacle. Mima returned home having overcome her psychic episode right yeah she just walked herself home and not only did mima return home or uh, melba returned home but mima did as well so melba psychic whatever walked home mima's also back having like battled off this stroke and she's like god sends us lots of challenges right and he's like ray's like uh-huh. And she's like, what the fuck do you know? Your name isn't even in the Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a bit. That's another hilarious line where he's like, yeah, she forgot my name because it wasn't in the Bible. And she says, I'm sure your name's fine. And he's like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Christine then is like attending to both of them while Victor is just being a whiny little shit and Rio still nowhere to be found. So our guy is gone. Yeah. So Mima is like, hey, can you go check and see if my son is anywhere? So Ray goes, you know, he goes to the hospital to see if, okay, is is the good doctor here anywhere? Did he die in this storm? Can't find him. Goes back. Manages to get Jack Wilkie out of jail. Yeah. So at this point, it's like, all right, well, we've got Norma who has been kind of nursed back to health, Ray and Jack, and all three of them are like, let's get the fuck out of Belize. Yeah. Well, part of Jack's release is that he leaves immediately. He has a good letter from Mima, who apparently carries a decent amount of sway in town that actually contributed to Jack's bail. Um, But yeah, they were like, yeah, we also, but part of the, one of the terms of his bail was he needs to leave Belize now. (laughs) Yeah. um, Before they do, um, Ray gives Webster the set of silver um, and is just like, I don't know, really fond of this kid, apparently. He likes him because he's industrious. Yeah. He likes him just because he's a hard worker. And he's like, hey, don't let Ruth take this from you. Yeah. Like, you're a good kid. Be smart. And he's just like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, take this silver, go pawn it off somewhere or give it to somebody who will like keep it safe for you. But don't bring it back to the hotel because Ruth will take it. Um, anyway, so Ray, Ray, Norma and Jack all leave in Jack's Chrysler and they just start driving on their way back up to the States. And the journey is, first of all, way shorter (laughs) than the way coming down here, at least in terms of pages, we get a couple kind of nice little, um, pauses in there where, it seems like Norma's warming up to Ray a little bit. Um, they spend a night on the beach together, eating shrimp from some just guy who's walking around. Um, they're kind of enjoying each other's company, at least for part of the ride back. And they end up just resuming life when they get back to their house, when they get back to Arkansas. 
And I don't know if you want to take it from here. I think I'm just going to read the very last paragraph of this book because I want you to experience what the reader feels. I when think that's you, a good idea. When you so you're so this is what it, this is what the reader sees when you're about to get the fairy tale ending. Okay. Norma regained her health and we got on better than ever before. We went to football games and parties. We had a fine Christmas. We went to the cancer ball with Mrs. Edge. Edge is her maiden name, so that's Norma's mom. And on her Florida escort, and I even danced a little bit, which isn't to say I became overheated. In, <laughs> in January, I got my uh, Bachelor of Arts degree, and I decided to stay in school and try engineering again with an eye towards graduate work in geology and eventually entering into the very exciting and challenging field of plate tectonics. Then in April, after the last frost, Norma became restless again. She went to Memphis to visit a friend named Marge. Goodbye, goodbye, she said to me. And the next thing I knew, she said she had her own apartment over there and a job doing something at a television station. She said she might come back, but she didn't. But she didn't do it. And I let her go that time. It's only 130 miles to Memphis, but I didn't go after her again. End. Yeah. No words. I mean... It's just like we we did this whole book, this whole journey, and really the goal the whole time was to get Norma. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh-huh. The car, fine, but it was about Norma. Mm-hmm. And then we get back to the States, and she leaves again. And I think the best part of it is that the growth that Ray felt or that he gained by doing this whole thing Mm -hmm. was kind of realizing that like Norma's just Norma's going to do what she wants to. And if she needs to go somewhere, I can't make her come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know. It was a, it was a really beautiful ending, but also one that kind of left me like, If you didn't include the part about her going to Memphis, you could have ended the book right there and it would have been good. It just wouldn't have been as interesting. So I wanted I want us to go back to chapter one where we're starting the whole podcast over. We're starting it over, folks. <laughs> we must have missed something. What is it? <laughs> but again, Ray never blamed her for leaving him. Mm-hmm. He always had every reason in the book why he'd failed as a husband, a partner, a lover, all these things. He gave her every excuse in the book to leave him. And I think a lot of his growth, too, was realizing, like, what if I'm just not the person that she wants? And it took him driving down to Belize, losing his car in the process to do so. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of like it's actually makes a ton of sense when you think about it that way, when you're like, it took him going on this like huge coming of age journey to mm-hmm. finally be, to finally do what he should have done in chapter one, which is like realize that this lady took off with my coworker, my car and my gun. Mm-hmm. How many people on earth would have actually followed her? Well, in, if they'd actually been like self-aware enough to know, like, cause he was self-aware enough to know, like, I, these are the reasons why she left, but I'm still going to go. Yeah. It showed an immaturity that he didn't have at the very end of this book. And it's interesting that you, it's interesting that you brought up the fact that he realizes that he might just not be the person that she wants. And if you remember, I don't know which episode it was that we talked about this, but when we were talking about one of the normal, what are you doings? We were kind of like, Norma, there are other guys out there that aren't named Guy or Ray. Yeah. And in one of these final chapters, Ray actually mentions that it seemed as though Norma almost was like thinking that there was... um, Okay, so he uses the, the word spectrum. The spectrum of men from Guy to Ray. And I was like thinking about that. I was just reading it and I was wondering, okay, is he saying that? But what I thought he was saying is like Norma isn't seeing the spectrum in between these two guys. And I think maybe now she's like, okay, my problem, my problem wasn't that I was, 
you know, in love with Guy or not in love with Ray. It's just that this guy isn't right, you know, and I'm going to go figure myself out and potentially explore that spectrum. Yeah, Ray wasn't right. Guy Dupree was actively wrong. Yeah. Right. Like she's like, she's like, it took it. Like she didn't know if she didn't want Ray. She mm-hmm. liked guy. Turns out she doesn't. She actually hates guy and doesn't want a guy like guy, but she that doesn't mean that it makes Ray better for her. Right. It's all just relative. Yeah. And another thing too, is on the, when they're writing up Norma calls Ray guy a few times. Right. Right. Again, like you said, revamping the theme of, Ray not being able to have people just call him by his fucking name the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And it's and that I, I just want to make a big meta English paper kind of note on this. Since Ray doesn't know who he is, no one else knows who Ray is. Exactly. So Ray doesn't know who he is. That's why he acknowledges everything about him. He knows facts about him and he knows behavioral like characteristics. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know anything about himself. Right. That's why he's able to be like, okay, this is the reasons that Norma would love me. I'm still going to go after her. That's why he could never finish a bachelor's degree. Right. That's why that he's so unspecific enough to people that they only refer to him as like maybe like a rat or a bird, but never his name or speed or speed. Yeah. People have to assign names to him. Yep. No. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a great take. He just, because he just has no idea who he is. He was never able to complete anything that because again he was always trying to add in things like what's my plan oh it's going to be something i read in a military book oh it's yep. going to be something romantic i saw on tv oh it's going to be some literary theme that i'm going to like shoehorn into my specific situation what happens plans blown up left and right because he does not see, he doesn't know anything about his actual strengths or weaknesses right to get himself through college let alone get the girl back right and so you can't blame norma for being like how can i be with somebody who doesn't really know who they are Mm -hmm. you know like that's totally completely and totally understandable one thing that i i really like about this ending and the way we ended in um return of the king just like kind of similar is there's almost this expectation that you're on a kind of a binary like there's only two options for you like how to end a, a story right either um like either the good guy wins or he doesn't Mm -hmm. and when an author like portis or tolkien can kind of find like a middle lane where the mission was accomplished the everything about this book everything that we set out to do we did but you're gonna end it with like kind of throwing in this third route that you can take I really appreciate that because it just makes you think more as a reader. I think it it also feels more like real life. Oh, 100 percent. Because in real life, you're never feeling just one thing. Nothing in life ever falls the way where you're like, I feel exactly blank. And that's how any situation ends. It's always I have some combination of feelings and I was usually able to make some sort of compromise to get myself to this situation. Sure. And one one another parallel that I found. Um, between the ending of Return of the King and the ending of The Dog of the South is that by the end, like the the protagonist, the main character might not be f- like the Frodo Sam thing. They're kind of a they're their own binary thing we talk about. But the protagonist mm-hmm. is at rest. Yeah. We're like, no matter what or how you feel or how events ended, the journey is over. Yep. And in both of these, Sam, Samwise Gamgee and Ray both chose to not go on another adventure. Right. They actively decided no. Like Sam is going to be like be mayor of Bag End and all this stuff. He's going to like just, but he's not not doing any adventures anymore. And Ray, after doing all this adventure, and it's a lot less hopeful because he's like, because on paper you're like, what did I even do this for? He's not going back because he found everything that he needed. Yeah, it was like pretty much self identity is what he wanted to find. But he's at rest now. No more adventures for our characters. So is Ray, Sam, and Norma Frodo making Memphis the Grey Havens? I mean, if you want to be <laughs> really literal about my allegory, which you, I do not subscribe to being to taking my metaphor all the way to the bank. But <laughs> no, but I I totally agree with you, and I think it. That holds up. Um, Do you think the ribs in the Grey Haven are as good as they are in Memphis? Oh, good question. I don't know if they eat meat there. It's a good question. I think 
just like the gray heavens, Memphis is more of an idea than an actual place. <laughs> That's not true. I'm not, don't no hate on Memphis. I'm sure. It's a great town. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's get into a little bit of was Ray right? And we can talk about the whole book. We we touched on it a little bit, but was Ray right overall? Overall, no, but at the end, yes. Okay. Overall, should he have gone in the first place? Big meta, big tent ideas going on with the book. No. Was he right at the very end to accept who he is and not go after Norma a second time? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like he was right to go for a reason that he didn't know yet, though. And maybe that's yeah, just saying that. the exact same thing you did no, but yeah, in a different right. way. Yeah, no, Where it's I like, buy that. Was Ray right to go down there? Um, well, he would have been virtually in the same spot if he didn't physically, right? Mm-hmm. But because he did, he's a better person because of it. And it's a bit of a catch-22 because if he wouldn't have gone in the first place, that means that he would have already been so self-assured. He didn't need to learn the lessons he would have learned going down there in the first place. So it was like chicken or egg basically with this question. So exactly. Take whatever one that you like specifically. But was Ray right about Guy Dupree? Absolutely. Oh, nailed it. That guy sucks. I mean, I I don't know if I've ever read a more like... Just like, I mean, it's like the mouth of Sauron with this guy. I know, dude. I'm like, oh, this is the worst. Get this guy out of here, dude. Fuck that guy. Oh, so bad. Such a deliciously hateable dude. I know. It's it's really enjoyable. Because he's like pretty pathetic, too. He the, the book, we get the last of him being like, yeah, his mom tells people that he's like doing art mm-hmm. in proper Honduras in Tegucigalpa, which is the capital of Honduras, just like he's doing art down there and finding himself and race like, oh, no, 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 that guy is asking for pennies to buy heroin. Like yeah. this guy is fucking done. Like it was like, he's like, he's like, I still keep tabs down there. And what I've heard is that he wanders the street like a dipshit in his cowboy <laughs> boots, just drugged out of his mind. Yeah. Um. And th- I'm thank you for bringing that up, because just to kind of like follow up with another character. I don't think we've ever find out entirely what happens with Rio at the end. No. So I'm just assuming he's just running another scam somewhere. Yeah. He probably uh, went to the, I like went to the Louisiana recorders office and was like, hello, my mother died. And they're like, no, she didn't. <laughs> and he's like, what <laughs> time to get the fuck back to Belize. Mom. <laughs> yeah, dude. So Rio, whatever. I don't know. Ray. I'm just going to say book long. Ray was right. And I'm really glad that. He figured out what he wanted to do. And personally, this is has nothing to do with the book, but just me and my personal life. There were a lot of times in this book where I was just like. Do I really know what I'm doing right now? Yeah. Like I went to school. I have a degree, but like. There were definitely times where I kind of identified with Ray a little bit where I'm just like, do you really know like who you are, what you're doing? Oh, it's a totally normal experience to feel for, especially for dudes our age where we're just like, God, like, like, it's like, like, I I think you've talked about this before, but like privately off air, but like when you go to like a party and if you don't have like defined established hobbies, which a lot of people genuinely don't people until like their middle ages don't have like real tangible like things to do. And people like, what do you do for fun? Yeah. Or you're like new at work and people are like, tell us something about you. And you're like, like to drink uh, with my friends. I got to <laughs> drink with my friends. I watch TV. I yeah. watch sports. I care way too much about these sport teams. I yeah. don't do anything. Right. So you can. And, and like we've talked about this from the beginning where it's like the idea of Ray being like this guy. Like, I can't finish school because I don't know what I want to do. There's hundreds of thousands of people in America that are just like that. Mm hmm. So he's a he's a pretty relatable character and it honestly helps that he's not a very established person in his own head when we are introduced to him because that way I don't think we would have been able to tolerate him. Right. Right. The fact he's kind of a blank slate, an annoying blank slate, but still a blank slate. You gotta input how you feel on the situation. He reacts pretty neutrally to a lot of everything. Absolutely. And I I bring that up um to kind of segue into our normal what are you doing segment, which we've done a bunch of already. So I I don't know that we need to get into any specifics, but as far as like just kind of meta, Norma, what are you doing? Norma is also trying to figure out what she wants Mm -hmm. and who she is. And we don't get into like detail the way that we do with Ray, 
because we're not in Norma's head. But Norma fleeing to Belize with this guy and coming back and then again moving to Memphis, I think is just pretty solid evidence that Norma, like Ray in some ways, is just trying to figure out what's best for her Uh the whole time. Totally. So Norma, what are you doing? She's going to be like, I'm just trying to figure it out, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Get off my back. Let me live my life. Yeah. Beat it, you pill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I would say for Norma. What are you doing? Anything to add from you? Why do you think this book was named The Dog of the South? That's a great question. I thought about that plenty of times while reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we get the actual bus that's named that in like the third chapter or something. Mm Mm-hmm. It was Dr. Symes broken down bus yeah. that he was living in and had like a live in, like, like a like kind of like a vagabond mattress kitchen set up in there. <sighs> okay. This is a kind of just like galaxy brain theory. I love it. Go ahead. Let's go. All right. Is is Ray the dog of the south? In the sense that he is metaphorically that bus. Yeah. Where. I mean, you can look at it like, okay, both of them had plenty of troubles. Ray and the bus getting to where they were going. Mm -hmm. Right. Ray actually ended up getting there. The bus didn't. But this is also something where it's like. Ray is much like the bus because he's at the end of the story kind of repurposed himself. And is no longer this kind of oh god i'm reaching right now but i don't know like he's trying it's, to it's figure not what out it what was when it was when it came into being right i don't know and I don't we can know. tell it's been modified by the people that it's encountered yeah that that's that's a really really shaky theory that's the only one that's what i was coming up with too that's okay that, that's the only one that makes sense to me and it also and here's another one. Here's a more literal attachment to the galaxy brain, which okay. can sound even more galaxy brain. Sure. It stays put when its main driver leaves it at the very end. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It was abandoned one more time and didn't leave again. Right. I like that. That's adding some credence to this theory. Huh. Gosh, I don't know. I, I would love to read just a little bit like just some other Portis experts. Some other smarter person than us to come in and just fill our brains with the answer. This is why this book is called The Dog of the South. Like, mm-hmm. give it to me. But no, I like that theory. And I, I mean, I just, I, I think like you have to assume that Ray is the dog of the South. Mm-hmm. And I just need to put the pieces together as to why. I think it'll take a couple more times reading this book for me to get a more solid answer. But I, I'm, I, I can work with the one that we figured out here. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that does it for me. This has been the Dog of the South. Yes, it has. On Bibliotheques. We will be coming at you very, very soon with a yet-to-be-announced book. We'll figure it out. But just know that uh, we are going to be recording again very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm Paul. This has been... Cody on Bibliotheques. We'll see you guys later.